Welcome to Real Food, Real Conversations with Sophia DeSantis, where we focus on finding our happy balance between salad and fries. Welcome back to the Real Food, Real Conversations podcast. I am so excited to have you here today. This is episode 54, which is crazy. I feel like I just started this. Um, And I have a guest today, Steph, and we are going to talk about intuitive eating, which is something I've wanted to talk about on this podcast forever because I feel like it's a word slash phrase that's like thrown around a lot. So we're going to get to the nitty gritty of like what it is um, exactly. But first, I'm going to have Steph introduce herself and what she does and all this amazing things. So um, welcome, Steph. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really glad to be here. And I love talking all things food and nutrition and strength and all of that good stuff. So gosh, if I could sum up what I do really succinctly, it's to help women who lift weights to fuel themselves better. So they get stronger, increase their energy and perform better in the gym. I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner. I'm a certified intuitive eating counselor, and I'm a strength coach. So my passion is really bringing together the worlds of nutrition from a gentle and kind and nourishing perspective, along with getting stronger and really focusing on what our bodies can do rather than what a lot of people think exercise is for, which is to earn your food and punish your body. So that's kind of my mission in the the world is to really show how we can eat well without it being an all or nothing thing to not be falling on and off the diet wagon and to really focus on what our bodies can do instead of only focusing on shrinking ourselves. I love that. I love that. And that's kind of, I love your all or nothing perspective because that's um, kind of my brand as well in the plant-based world. Because when I entered the plant-based world, part of what I experienced was, um, I guess I was just naive, but the shock that you're either doing it all or you're not. And if you're not, you're a failure and you're not a good person. And it really made me kind of internalize and not really talk about my feelings about the fact that I didn't think anything in this world really can be all or nothing. Mm -hmm. Um, and started my brand that way too. And got the courage to speak out on, you know, cause we changed our diet for my husband's like medical health. Like he cannot have certain things due to his own medical issues. But even within that, you know, it's, it's, you know, not an all or nothing thing for the rest of us. And Mm -hmm. I don't know. I just love the fact that you say, you know, you don't have to earn your food because, Let's put it this way. The last three weeks, if I had to work out for every (laughs) terrible thing I put into my body, I would have had to run like five marathons. So (laughs) yeah, it's like to make it a transactional relationship between movement. And there are so many amazing benefits to movement, movement, exercise, uh, strength training is obviously my, my sort of jam and the thing, the thing that I really love, but there are so many benefits to that other than the transactional relationship that a lot of people have developed, which is I want to eat that thing. So I need to work out first and earn it. Or on the flip side, you know, I, I indulged, I ate a lot. I ate more than I'm used to. I ate that thing that I think is bad. Therefore I need to go work it off, burn it off, et cetera. And it really takes, it sucks the joy out of, out of movement really uh, at the end of the day. Well, and I have just found through my own, like, cause I think that mentality of like having to eat to having to work 
uh, that transactional relationship that you said, I think that's just so ingrained in our society and our minds that, you know, growing up for me, I mean, I've been moving, quote unquote, moving since I was in, you know, high school, I used to run the lake um, that I lived by, it was five miles around, even like on our late start days, I would do it before school. And I just really enjoyed it. But yes, like, I, I, I'm naturally a small person. I'm, I'm, that's just who I am. I'm petite, like I was born this way. Um, so I never really was a dieter, but it, I still in my brain had that idea because of what I was surrounded with. And until I was really in my forties and started moving for my mental health, mm. honestly, like I've always kind of moved for my mental health. It, it's always been my me time, my stress relief. I've really, you know, it's always kind of, that's been the primary reason for movement, but I went through early menopause, um, and I'm, I've, I'm only turning 44 and I've already completed menopause. Um, but I went through early menopause in my early forties and I found movement actually helped me so much with the mental part of that, that now it's such a mental thing for me. It's has nothing to do with food, you know, like Mm. it's been, I've really gone the other direction with, I feel myself stressed out and I'm like, I need to do some yoga. I need to go on a run. I, cause it helps like center me again. So yeah, I just, I don't know. I see a lot of people with the whole like, oh, I'm doing this so I can eat the cake later. And I'm like, well, what if you like, did it work out? Would you not eat the cake later? Cause I would. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I love what you said there about mental health. I mean, there's so many benefits and this is like evidence-based as well. It's not just, yep. you know, N equals one is obviously very powerful uh, feedback and information. But when you look at the research and you look at the studies, you know, the benefits of, of exercise for mood, anxiety, um, for, for sleep, for yes. bone density. I mean, like you name it, we could go on all day about, <laughs> about yeah. why exercise is amazing for, um, for our health really in general. And so coming to a better relationship with it is, is something that a lot of people struggle with, honestly, at the beginning. And it is learning how the thoughts and beliefs that, and the things we've been told and the things we've been seen, we've, we have seen the things that we are exposed to in the media have really shaped our beliefs about what our relationship with movement can even be. And so oh, totally learning to deconstruct that and, and tease that apart is, is daunting, but very valuable. Totally. And it's hard being like, you know, like being on Instagram, especially I have actually started like really taking ownership and curating my feed um, and unfollowing things that either trigger me or things that I just really cannot get on board to agree with. And I'm very, I have a lot of friends with different opinions and I'm very open to, you know, you know, following people, talking to people with different opinions, but then there's also a hard line that I have between different opinion and what I feel is actually damaging. So mm-hmm. I have started really curating my feed and like taking all that crap out because I don't want even though I use Instagram mostly for my business, I, I want even in my business life to be surrounded with stuff that I can get on board with and respect whether it's different or same as me just respect and so much of this I mean I I just from the time that I saw this woman who young woman who was like early to mid-20s who had a baby who literally looked just like she did before she had a baby like three weeks later which is totally fine you know that's not a problem the problem was that she said she was like that because of her vegan diet and I was like oh girlfriend (laughs) that is so damaging to so many new mothers because I've had three kids and 
even though I'm a small person, I did not get quote unquote, my body back. If that's what you want to call it. Um, I wasn't, I didn't feel normal for a whole year after I had a baby and Mm. I'm a petite person, you know, like, it's not like I, I, it wasn't, it, it just was so damaging to see her basically shame people that, I don't know. I just was shocked. It really just shocked me. I was like, wow. Yeah. I can't believe that's even allowed. (laughs) Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that because one of the very first things that I recommend to people when they start, you know, they're making a conscious decision. They're aware that maybe the things that they've been doing with, you know, their relationship and how they, how they interact and relate to food and exercise is not working for them anymore. And they want to have a, you know, I'm going to use the term healthier, what we could define that in so many ways, yes, but they want totally. to have a, a healthier way of a healthier viewpoint, a healthier set of belief system or healthy, healthier belief system and a healthier set of actions with regard to how they eat and how they move their bodies. One of the first things I recommend is go through your social media and start, you know, unfollowing or muting accounts that really cause you to question this because there's this almost this mentality. Like we have to be like strong and expose ourselves to these like differing viewpoints. And, and my take on that is a little bit different. It's like when we're in that really vulnerable stage of beginning the work and maybe we don't even a hundred percent believe it's possible for us yet in that vulnerable time, when we haven't really done the deeper stuff, the deeper work, the deeper inquiry, the deeper self-reflection to be, to, you know, be exposing ourselves to those messages that are going to make us like question everything we're doing. Yeah. Um, and really knock us off track is, I I mean, I think that that prevailing sort of mentality of like, you got to be able to expose yourself to it and like, hate following is okay. And I I don't agree with that. I think, yeah, you like putting yourself in a bubble as best you can. And honestly, social media is a low hanging fruit where that's concerned. You know, it's going to be a lot tougher to say, have a tough conversation with the people you live with about these things, you know, but like curating your social media feeds is a relatively easy thing to do. So yeah, you know, take away those accounts that, that trigger you or make you feel a certain way, you know, and, and make you question this new, more gentle path that you're going down, you know, um, it's, it's going to be fine. Like (laughs) no one's going to come after you and ask where you went. Um, it's okay to, it's okay when you change to, to change the messages that you're exposing yourself to. Totally. And I just, I agree with you. I mean, I, we all have, you know, we all have to do what's best for each of us. And, you know, and I just think that I, you know, I think it's, we all have to, that's the, the point is we have to focus on us and what's best for us and what's best for me. Is not necessarily best for the next person? And, and that's okay. We're all just different people. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's kind of go back to this. Um, what we're talking about intuitive eating. I've, I've heard this thrown around so many different times. And I, I think as time has gone on, I've realized that some people throw it around um, just because they think they know, I mean, they kind of <laughs> know what it is, but then some people, you know, like you said, you're a certified mm-hmm. intuitive eating. Like there is more to it than just this word called intuitive eating. It's, yeah. it, it's a thing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess in a nutshell, I would sum it up and say that intuitive eating is a set of 10 principles or guidelines that you would use to improve your relationship with food, exercise, and your body. And it's really a self-care eating framework that takes into account 
your internal attunement, what your body is telling you, your likes, your dislikes, you know, everything about you as a person and also merges that with the external stuff that we are constantly exposed to, which is, you know, the shoulds and the shouldn'ts of nutrition and, you know, all of the external values and all of the the things that we're told we should do. It really intuitive eating seeks to find the overlap between the external world and your internal world to bring you to a point of more authentic health. So that's kind of in a nutshell, what it is. These 10 principles were put together by two registered dietitians. So that's Evelyn Triboli and Elise Fresh. And they published the first book on intuitive eating in 1995. So I was in high school. Um, this has been around for a long time, relatively speaking, in the nutrition world. And, you know, it's only within the last few years, I think, that it's really started to catch on because people are starting to wake up to the, the damaging uh, effects of diet culture and how you know, in a world where we are constantly inundated with more and more information about this diet and that diet and this plan and that plan and what we should and shouldn't do. We have not made people more empowered or we have not led them to sort of like step into their, their own, any inner power with this. We have only confused people more. Um, we have not decreased the incidence of things like disordered eating and eating disorders. Those have only gone on the rise and we are more disconnected from our bodies than ever. And so it's really a framework that helps us bring that helps bring us home to our bodies. And yes, nutrition is a principle. So it's not, you know, what some people think is like a junk food diet, <laughs> you know, just just eat all the junk right. food you want and just go on a binge and go on a bender. And that's not what it is at all. So, I mean, I'm, I'm glad that you're asking that question and that you're um, giving me this space here to, to at least share a little bit more about it. And now, you know, compared to when it came out 25, 26 years ago, now there's, I think we're, we're at 150 plus studies and growing about the efficacy, right? So looking at the efficacy of intuitive eating, um, for people's mental health and their physiological health and well-being as well. So, it's, um, it's really exciting and it's, it's great to see. And I think at the heart of it is, is like when we significantly restrict and we eat in ways that trigger our bodies to, you know, seek more food and, and do all these things, we blame ourselves, but it's really the result of restriction and deprivation. And so coming to a better place with that allows people to really investigate you know, what is this, what does their body need? How have they, what are the underlying belief systems that they've had about food? How can they eat more mindfully? Um, you know, how can we eat in a way that's more satisfying and, and so on and so forth. So some of the principles touch on that stuff. And well, that was a good point you just brought up mindfully. Um, so I'm like, um, I am, I was a teacher for 14 years and I, this business veggies don't bite that I have now kind of came after we, um, my, my husband had some heart issues and we changed his diet because of a recommendation by his cardiologist. This wasn't just some random thing we did, um, in order to help support him. Um, and the cardiologist basically said like, Hey, I can give you more meds. Or if you're interested in, I work with a lot of patients with, through diet change and the diet change really was the factor for my husband. I mean, three months eating mostly plant-based and I'm going to say mostly because we don't do anything all or nothing. Um, mostly plant-based. He was off all of his medications and basically had cured his heart problems. Um, and this was nine years ago and he's still going strong and still has his checkups with his cardiologist and is doing amazing. Um, but 
all this brought me to this business and, and I'm now a certified health coach in the sense that like, I, I'm really trying to focus on the mindful piece to it. And it's, Mm -hmm. it's, it's such a challenge a little bit because mindfulness is like a big thing for me and my journey with um, my anxiety with, I went through major fertility to have my kids um, early menopause. And the key principle that has kept me kind of like solved things for me is mindfulness and listening to me and my body and my internal and like what is really important. And it's really hard in this plant-based space that I'm in because it it doesn't, it's like we said before, it it seems to be so all or nothing, but I'm trying really hard to focus on this mindful piece. Mm -hmm. Um, What is, and I know it's different. What is the difference between mindful eating and intuitive eating? Like is into, is it really just intuitive eating is like this core set principles and mindfulness is like part of that. Yeah. So if you look at intuitive eating and mindful eating, they do have a lot of crossover and a lot of commonality. What I will say is that mindfulness is a component of intuitive eating. So mindful eating is one of the things that we practice. However, intuitive eating goes a lot further in the depth of the principles, the depth of what it covers and the breadth of what it covers. And, you know, I will say one of the things that you'll, you'll notice if you dive into PubMed or you look at mindful eating articles just online, you'll notice that mindful eating is studied a lot. It has been studied a lot and is almost always associated with weight loss studies. So the principles of intuitive eating are weight neutral. What that means is that intuitive eating is something that people can explore and incorporate in their lives without having a, an expectation that weight will change. Weight might go up. It might go down. It might stay the same. And the point of intuitive eating is to become more attuned to your inner signals. And like I said, balance that against the external world. Um, so, you know, I think people just need to be a little bit cognizant of that when they're looking at, you know, mindful eating or mindfulness online, especially as it's relating to eating that they might run into a lot of stuff that is not weight neutral when it comes to mindful eating. Um, that doesn't mean it's necessarily good or bad. It's just one of the things that comes along with a lot of the studies. So what I would say is that intuitive eating incorporates the idea of mindfulness. So for example, last night I was teaching a masterclass about satisfaction and I have this, you know, three P's of pleasure when it comes to food and it involves things like, uh, pleasure and it involves palate. So it's pleasing to your palate and your tastes and it involves place. So the environment that you're eating and mindfulness is a piece of that. It's like chewing slowly. It is noticing the flavors and the textures and how those flavors and textures change. And when does the food stop tasting as good as it did in the first couple of bites, putting your fork down, giving gratitude. I mean, there's so many ways you can practice mindfulness. So intuitive eating goes above and beyond that is, is what I would say. It's a, it's a portion of uh, mindful eating is a portion of eating more intuitively, but it's not the only thing. Got it. And I, that's, it's interesting. I have never actually heard of that. What you just said that, um, mindful, the studies with mindful eating are connected to weight loss. That's, uh, that's crazy. I've have never seen that or heard of that, but that is a really good thing to bring to mind because yeah. And when I say, mindfulness, mindful eating, to me, it's more, um, it's not nothing to do with weight. It's more, it's actually more than just the eating experience. Like I had a, uh, another podcast episode and something that I've always kind of thought, but you know, mindfulness also, 
um, like I teach a lot about uh, meal systems, creating a meal system to work with your life versus traditional meal planning. Mm -hmm. Um, and part of that to me, I have a whole piece in my masterclass on meal systems about mindful eating and how mindful eating isn't necessarily just the act of eating, but it's also just the, um, being cognizant and, and respectful of your time and what you're craving. And if you have a meal plan is set in place and you have to have tacos on Tuesday, cause that's the plan. Um, I teach about, you know, creating a system that actually lets you be flexible because when Tuesday comes and you don't feel like tacos, if you're forcing yourself to eat tacos, you're not honoring like what your body feels like. If your body feels like a soup, you should have some flexibility into your schedule that you can throw together the soup instead of the tacos. Um, Mm -hmm. And all the way to the point of like, when you're going to a grocery store, like um, being present and in the moment and like having, you know, being purposeful in what you're getting and things like that. So um, I haven't heard of that weight loss piece, but that's really good to know that Mm -hmm. they're connected. Yeah. And you know, it, it, it makes sense, right? I mean, yeah. from a, like calories in calories out, like how much energy we do consume matters. Right. And for a lot of people, I will say, you know, even people that I work with that are just trying to be more in touch with their bodies, they don't realize how fast they eat and the yeah. hormone signals that are involved in satiety, which is that inner sensation of, I am, you know, I'm pleasantly fulfilled, you know, this hit the spot. I'm, I'm sort of ramping down my eating. Those signals don't happen in the first like five minutes of eating. They take time to kick in. So just a simple act of slowing down can give your body a chance to catch up and say, Whoa, okay, actually I'm satisfied. I've, I've eaten enough. And what we tend to find is people eat very, very quickly. Obviously there's a lot of reasons why that is, and it's not always the easiest to solve. Sometimes it is, uh, circumstances vary, but if you're overeating and you're over consuming simply by the fact of going very quickly, not only does it affect your digestion, but it can, you can also sort of miss those fullness signals. And then you end up feeling like, Ooh, you know, I just like overly fall really overly uncomfortably full or, you know, I I'm, I'm constantly eating more than I think I, you know, I really thought I needed. And why is that happening? It's like, well, okay. Slowing down a little bit will, will help quite significantly with some of those things. Totally. And I actually tell, I have, my husband eats quickly and so does my oldest son and my, my middle son is like a snail. So it's very interesting. <laughs> Dinner time at my house is like, but I say this to my oldest son because he shovels food in and, you know, he's a growing boy and he's like, all my kids are like little tiny toothpicks, but it, it but I don't even, it's to me, it's not even like the weight thing. It's more to me. I look at him and I say, look, you just ate that really fast. The rest of us are still here eating. I would like you to have you know, a glass of water and sit with it. And I tell him that just scientifically, your body needs time to catch up Mm -hmm. with your brain needs that time to catch up with your body to say, Hey, I said in 10 minutes, if you're still hungry, of course, go serve yourself something, but you're not going to, you know, eat all the things because it it can make you sick. And so I, I try to explain it to him from a scientific perspective. So he can understand (laughs) that it's like Mm -hmm. there it's, I'm not just telling you that you know? Yeah. I'm not making it up. (laughs) I'm a snail as well. I'm always the last one done. So I get it. (laughs) Yeah. And he is my, my snail is like, he's going to be my foodie. He savors Mm. every bite that kid. So good for him. Um, So just moving on real quick before we kind of tie it up, what anti-diet, that is another piece of um, how does that work into intuitive eating and the whole diet culture of 
you know, it, we see it everywhere. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, you and I, especially on Instagram, you're surrounded. There's so many freaking diets now. Like I can't even keep track. Yeah. Well, I mean, as, uh, as somebody who coaches people and also, you know, yourself being a coach, you know, one of the things that we focus on is what is the difference between our body changing as a result of the decisions and the habits that we're, you know, engaging in and intentional weight loss. And so we get into this distinction between, you know, dieting versus not dieting and anti-diet is really saying, you know, can we make health promoting choices and habits that stick with us to improve our health that have potentially no bearing on our weight? And it gets tricky for people because weight and health have been so conflated for so long. I mean, you just, you look at the medical system and you can see it very, very clearly. And, you know, that's a whole other in-depth conversation. But what I will say is that when people enter into intuitive eating, again, the, the, the point is to improve their relationship with food, to improve their habits, And when we have that weight loss, the intentional weight loss mentality of like, I'm going to eat 1200 calories a day, or I'm going to eat a thousand calories a day. And I'm going to significantly restrict what I'm eating. I'm going to put some, you know, huge restrictions on myself more times than not that can only last so long until, especially if it's a a significant caloric deficit, the brain and the body both say, Hey, (laughs) I can't do this anymore. Right. The body needs to feel safe. The body needs to feel like food is available. Food is going to be around. Food is not scarce and the brain as well. Right. We know that, um, restricting food only serves to amplify thoughts of that food. It's, it's not, um, you know, it's not rocket science. It's something that because of restriction. So all anti-diet. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Finish that. I was going to say all anti-diet is saying is like, can we make choices that are best for our health and well-being, and then implement the strategies and the habits that are going to help us do that consistently rather than only focusing on what's happening with our weight. Um, and so I would say that would be my way of summing it up. I mean, other people might have, have different ways of saying it, um, but it really just changes the focus, right? It's changing yes. the focus from what's, you know, eating in a way that's really restrictive in order to just drive the scale down because what you, the thing people need to get through their minds is that you can be a thin in a thin, small body and still not have good health, right? You can hundred percent, right? hundred percent physical health issues, mental health issues, right? We know that that's, that that's the case. So if the goal is only to get to a certain specific and much smaller body size, how are we getting there? You know, um, you know, and the, one of the more extreme examples is, uh, there's a guy who I used to work out with and he went, he went away for a while. He came back and I didn't really, you know, didn't know him well, but, um, I saw that he had lost a lot of weight. And I, and this, I'm like, I'm a, I'm in this industry. Like I know better. And there was something about it that was like, oh, I wanted to, I almost said something to him like, wow, like you're looking really trim these days or something like that. And then I didn't, um, because I, I kind of thought about, you know, you don't know what could be going on. And sure enough, he had had tes- testicular cancer. Um, so he had dropped a lot of weight because he was really sick. And so, you know, it just gets really it gets really confusing for people, but I would say, you know, think about the healthy habits that you want to implement 
on a continual basis for a long period of time, chances are that's not going to be a significant restriction. That's going to be finding healthier habits that work for you in your life. So totally. So what are, as we finish up, what are your tips for somebody that wants to, um, I mean, obviously working with someone like you, like intuitive eating, you know, certified person, but somebody that like, you know, I don't know, somebody like me, who's, um, generally I feel like mentally, physically, I'm like, I'm, you know, pretty in the healthy range, but if I even want to like focus more on being more intuitive and Mm -hmm. just working on that, like, what are some quick tips you could tell people to kind of like, you know, in general? Yeah. The first thing, and we already touched on this a little bit is to just become a little bit more mindful and, and take those, those moments, say when you're starting your meal, just noticing what kind of sensations is my body sending me? Is that, am I unpleasantly hungry? Am I pleasantly hungry? Am I kind of neutral, neither hungry nor full? You know, just what am I noticing? Getting used to your body and your body's signals. So really quickly, my, one of my clients, she didn't really put it two and two together until I had her do this, that if she didn't eat breakfast by noontime, she couldn't focus. She's like, I can't focus. Like I'm mentally just all over the place. You know, I'm irritable and And it was because she was really hungry. So I think, you know, taking a few moments before and maybe during your meal and just, just coming back to your body to get more mindful, get more aware of your body signals is hugely impactful. And then the second thing I would just say is I really am an advocate of the ad first approach. So a lot of people approach healthier changes in their food and they think, oh, I just have to cut out all these things. And again, that's going to signal our brains that we're, we're taking something away. And so focusing on, you know, looking, what are some of the things I could, I could do better with? Could I, you know, could I eat more vegetables? All right, great. I'll add in, maybe try something new at the grocery store this week, or I'll maybe sneak in an extra serving of veggies, um, at, uh, you know, at my breakfast time. So it could be adding in a little bit more water. Maybe you notice you don't drink very much water during the day, or you're not well hydrated. It could be, you know, adding a little bit of protein to your plate in whatever way that works for you. So, you know, if you're eating something that's more of a plant-based approach, like how are you know, thinking about what are protein rich source, plant-based sources of food? Like, mm-hmm. am I, am I getting enough there? And so I just really love to help have people focus on adding in one thing at a time and just be consistent with that for a few weeks. And when you can be consistent with that, then move on to something else, but it takes your brain out of that, you know, restriction mode. And it slides you back into that sort of rest, that relaxed mode. You get to be in that state where you're not just worried about what you have to cut out. So just think about what you want to add. I love that. I think that is probably the best thing I've heard in like the longest time, <laughs> honestly, like the ad first, I yeah. totally, that really just hit like, that's amazing. Like, okay, let's, I, I, I honestly, I love that because I do that in so many other things, but approaching it like that is just, I think it's great. Like, fine. Eat your bag of chips that you love, like eat your ice cream that you love. What can we add? Mm-hmm. I love that. And yeah. that's kind of in general, I think in life right now with all these things that everyone, the media, the politicians are telling us we can't do. I feel like, why aren't we talking about things that we can do? Mm-hmm. And I've yeah. thought about this forever and it just, <laughs> I love it. Well, Steph, thank you so much for being here. Um, yeah. These are some great tips and some great starting. I'm going to, um, like you said, I'm going to uh, look at some of the PubMed and things like that to link in the, um, in the description, in the post here. So people can have more um, info and 
your information will be there. So if you're listening and you are looking for somebody to work with, um, check her out. Um, but I just appreciate you being here. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate the conversation. And thanks to everybody listening. And I look forward to you um, listening in on our next episode that is going to be airing next week. Um, I'm going to have a group of women that is coming on um, that have been launching these vegan vending machines. So I'm really excited to hear more about that. But thanks everyone for listening.